Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, Recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression. Connect through our shared experiences and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Thank you for agreeing to be part of the podcast. We're excited to talk with you. I'm going to ask you to remind me of when you were diagnosed. Um, I was diagnosed of uh, February 20th of 2010, so it's coming up. Uh, for nine year anniversary for that. Wow. Of yeah, diagnosis. And then my STEM birthday will be April fifteenth. Yeah, and I'll be headed to Chicago March tenth. Because we're talking with Katie from Medina, Ohio. And you are an HSCT hopeful. Correct. But yeah, like pre testing starts March eleventh, so I'm flying in March tenth. Yeah, so you get to find out if your body is capable of handling everything, but you've been through the evaluation with Dr. Burt. Correct. And he thinks you're a great candidate? Yes. Are you, how do you feel? I just want to get this over with. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, nine years with this disease and um, being, you know, in Ohio right now with this Arctic air coming in. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, Oh, a little bit. I actually, I have, so my new job that I'm now with 11 months, I have in the last two weeks, I've never been late. Um, and I've never like missed or left or anything. Um, unless, you know, like a doctor's appointment that was already made and it was, we were, you know, they were well aware of it. Um, last week I went to go get up and like my legs just didn't want to like move and like work as fast as my brain wanted to be like, okay, time to go to work. And they're like, yeah, no, just kidding. Um, So it's pretty cold that day. And then today I actually left work right after lunch. And I'm like, no, because it was already zero and it was getting colder. And and even though I'm inside, I could still feel it. Um, And then knowing like I still had to go outside to start my car. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I need my legs to drive home. So like, even my boss was like, yeah, you need to go home. I'm like, I'm going home. And I'm pretty sure I'm not working tomorrow, which it's just, it's upsetting because I only have like six weeks left of work anyways, but they're very understanding because I haven't. So So, yeah, I just, I'm, I just want to like, I've never thought in my life I would be excited to like go and do something (laughs) like it's chemotherapy. Like, Right. And I'm excited. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of like mixed emotions. I, I don't even know if it's mixed. It's like I'm genuinely excited. Like I just want to get this done. That's fascinating to me that you are so excited. Like where did your research start and how did you come to find out about HSCT? Okay, so my really good friend, Anna, she is a HSCT warrior and she's also in Medina. 
that story back almost eight years ago um, when I relapsed and she was still a physical therapist at the time. Um, I met her in the hospital and, she, you know, I'm talking and talking and she's like, well, you know, I have MS and I'm like, but you look so normal. And she's like, I hate to tell you, honey, so do you. I mean, not at the moment, right. but you're in a hospital bed. So, I mean, it clicked. We became friends. So two years ago, she got it done. She knew about it. I think like she did some research for, I, I don't know how long it was and she knew about it and she talked to me about it, but then obviously I knew that she was going and um, you know, I went and saw her before she left and we talked about it and I did research and to be honest with you, it had nothing to do with like, I've never been scared to get the procedure done. I know there's plenty of people that have, you know what I mean? That, and it is, it's scary. It's, but to me, it's just not, I can explain why, but I did the research, um, having Anna and honestly now a family that has gotten it done. I have Kelsey, uh, Chelsea and Carrie and, uh, Bonnie, and um, we were all like interviewed with the news and the newspaper locally here um, in Ohio. And so we're definitely wanting to get the word out. But the thing that stopped me was insurance because oh. that's what stopped me. Um, because at the time I like I didn't have insurance and who I worked for, like I made too much money and then like to actually pay for insurance was astronomical because I already had a current condition um, and it wasn't provided to my job at the time. So I was just like, I'm never gonna be able to. And then I'm like, how can I be away from home for so long? That was like my second thing. Cause I was just like, you know, yay, Anna, this is awesome. Yay for you. But that's just not for me. And it was generally because of insurance purposes. But then a year after Anna got hers done, came Chelsea. She's also in Medina. Mm. And she had to self-fund the whole entire amount. So when I saw somebody do that, and I was like, oh, I guess it is possible. I was like, okay. So that's when I dug more into the research and like exactly what they do and um, you know, how long the stay is and whatnot. And it was actually the, the same day. Uh, it was July 6th of 2018 was my last Ocrevus infusion. That was the MS medication that I was on. You get it once right. every six months. And I just was like, it was like a light switch went off. And I said, now that I had my new job, I started in March of 18. I was like, I'll be here for a couple years. And, you know, with now that I have insurance, you know, I'll, I'll give it two years and then I'll, I'll go for HSCT. Sure. Just trying to time it. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, I'll just, you know, new job. Don't want to, you know, leave within a year and blah, blah, blah. And so, but it was like, okay, I got my insurance. And then to me, it's just like, it's not in my timing. It's in God's timing. And I was like, okay, well, I'll start praying about it again. I already know all about it now. And, uh, you know, I need to sign, I need a clear cut sign that I need to just put my email in or how to ask Anna how to do it. And the day that I came home from my infusion, I, um, went outside to take my dogs out and I have like a sunroom, like porch attached to my house and it's enclosed there's like a window that's open or broken or just missing. So once in a very blue moon, like 
I even had a bird in there one time. It was funny. There was a blue butterfly, like a blue smack dab ginormous butterfly. We don't have blue butterflies here. Mm. Um, We have monarchs and stuff. And that's like a thing for me. And I was like, oh, okay. So on the last day of my Ocrevus infusion was the day that I decided, okay, I'm going to contact Anna. She was actually with me and I, for my infusion at the hospital and, um, that's basically what it was. It was just like, okay. And once I do something and the way that my mindset is like, I'm just going to put the email in and this is what I'm doing. And we'll just go from there. I'm there's no like thinking about it after that. So the moment I sent the email, I was contacted within hours and, but I also dropped the Anna bomb in my application (laughs) more or less because they love her. And I think it's because they recognize the name. I think I had a little bit of an advantage. Um, It's very possible. Yeah, it was, it really was. I was very grateful for that. And um, so they contacted me within hours and then I got all my, everything they needed within two days they say what two to three weeks or something like that and after two to three weeks we'll contact you well they contacted me within days Wonderful. and then, then it was like dr burt wants to see you for an evaluation and then i actually ended up going for my evaluation with anna and my mom it oh was really that's cool. so great she went with you yes she did <laughs> so and so you feel a hundred percent in it sounds like oh yeah and ready to 100%. get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it's definitely, it's, people think the hardest part is getting accepted. I mean, it's, it's hard. Again, I had an advantage, let alone I dropped Anna in my letter. I brought her with me <laughs> and he loves her. Right. So, so he actually offered it to me right then and there after, you know, seeing me and whatnot. And then I had to go see Dr. Babinoff, the neurologist, um, And then, you know, they start the paperwork and then they put the thing in for the insurance. And so we did, we started fundraising here and there and not knowing if insurance would approve it or not. So at first the insurance came back and they said, yeah, we're not approving anything until you get pre-testing done now. So then we were scrambling. So I got accepted in September. And when we went, it was Anna's wedding anniversary. It was ridiculous. (laughs) I was like, Anna. Like, I will switch. She's like, no, this is the perfect day for you. Tim understands. He'll send me flowers, which he did. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, I kind of argued with her for days over. She goes, will you just schedule the evaluation? I'm like, okay. So I, um, they put it in and they came back and they said, okay, we want pre-testing. And then I was like, okay, scrambling to get like flights or something or trying to get there. And then within 24 hours, all of a sudden my nurse called me back and they're like, they denied it. I go, denied what she's like everything and I was like hold on a second so they go and say we're not approving this until we get pre-testing and then some unfortunate soul that did not read properly saw that my insurance doesn't even cover clinical trials period end of discussion so they took away like no I don't even care about the pre-testing we're not approving this to begin with I don't care if you're perfectly healthy to get it done so that was a roller coaster the approval is definitely a roller coaster. I have a um, a girl that we met there that she got accepted the same day and we became Facebook friends and we keep in touch and she's still fighting to get approved. Right. So, and we actually have the same insurance, different states. So, so did you end up getting insurance approved? Yes. Basically like Merry Christmas. 
all of a sudden I, I across my phone because Reagan's in my phone, my nurse, and it's, you know, it says HSCT Reagan. I'm like, why is Reagan calling me? And she's like, hey, hey, Catherine, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, well, you know, I just want to call and see how you're doing and just let you know, you know, we're good to go and everything's approved. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I go, what do you mean it's approved? She goes, well, it's approved so we can actually like, you know, put your dates in. And I'm like, like a hundred percent approved. Like they can't take it back. That's exactly what I said. Well, yeah, my insurance. I was that excited. I was like, yeah, what? they did not, they changed their mind a week later and I'm still fighting and it's been almost two years. Oh yeah. No, see, that's, see, that's why I was like, cause as soon as I said, and they can't take it back, she goes, Oh no, it's in black and white. Like, awesome. no. So yeah. And I, wait, it was, it was an approval letter and they faxed it to me. And then obviously my insurance mailed it to me too. And I was like freaking out. Like this is like, I was excited. I was genuinely excited. Well, yeah. I think it's, it's when you do your research on HSCT and really get involved in the, honestly, the family or community pro, more or less, um, you know, it's just, you have such like a closure and a peace. At least this is me. And it's like, I'm just like, I just want to get done because <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of feeling like this. Right. I'm tired of like feeling like I'm 90 years old. I'm tired of waking up and realizing what the temperature is outside before I even go outside. Before you even go outside. Yeah. Your body yeah. knows. Because I know. Right. So. So yeah. I really hope everything continues to go well through testing. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So I'll be going. I'm flying with my mom. Pre-testing is 11th, 12th and 13th of March. And then we are coming home for a couple of days because um, I have to go out and fly back out on March um, 17th because 18th is mobilization date. Um, and that I could tell you the one thing. So I watched some YouTube videos and like uh, like uh, uh, the pick line and uh, and the the vast uh, calf thing. Sure. Right. So I was watching the pick line and someone walks by my desk at work and they're like, oh. <gasps> I'm like, I want to know, like, I'm the guy, I'm the type of person where I want to see it because I won't watch it being done to myself. So I was like, I want to watch it. Right. You can prepare yourself. Right. And know that it it. goes all the way to the heart. And I'm like, okay. She's like, why are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching the vast calf next. She's like, oh my God. So the pick line didn't scare me. What actually, as soon as they, and I can watch open heart surgery. I'm, I'm that type of medically, it doesn't bother me to watch it. But then knowing that I'm getting it done to myself, like I can watch open heart surgery and get open heart surgery but for some reason that is the one thing is the vast calf that is like okay (laughs) can you just knock me out for that (laughs) and they can't they need you to be awake and i know it's interesting they monitor you the whole time right and like yep i had to keep my head turned and just stare at like a supply shelf and it's really yeah i'm gonna recommend if i have to stare at a supply shelf i'm gonna recommend like you know we're women so what what happens when we you know well they got hip with it at least mine here after years when you're at the, you know, the female doctor and you're there and you're looking up at the ceiling well now, and even in MRI machines, they put like really pretty pictures on top of the ceilings now or like there mosaic go. pieces. There you go. Yeah. So with this VASCAF thing, you need to put something pretty next to me because I'm not looking at no shelf. <laughs> maybe, t- yeah, maybe see if you can take something that you would prefer to look at with you. Exactly. Um, hang it on the wall or hang it over that 
supply like shelf. an elephant or puppies or babies <laughs> or something a field of flowers yeah so my last calf and everything that's the 18th of march so that's you know all that that's mobilization it'll go well the next day. it'll go yeah, so then... well it'll be over before you know it it really <gasps> the vast calf really is less uncomfortable i think than the pick line I don't really something. Well, I mean, yeah, the vein, well, the vein is larger. And so the pick line in your arm, but it is your vascular vein. Like the fact that I know what that is, I really wish that I didn't. Well, I mean, they, they are amazingly professional and do it all day long. So your pick line, you didn't like your pick line? Well, my veins are small and they were jumping. So it was, it was at least a half an hour of them (gasps) wrestling with just trying to get everything to calm down. It's not that it hurt. It was just the weird pressure and you wanted it to be over. And at that half hour mark, you're like, okay, they really should be done by now. And everybody's different and everyone's veins are different. Mine just happened to be tiny and squirmy so I thought I was doing my calm breathing and in a very calm place but uh, yeah something up with my veins I don't know <laughs> well my veins better cooperate or we're gonna have a big argument <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole like you know as much as you want to try to control everything uh, it just doesn't work that way you just have I to know. release all control and all expectation and just yeah. show up um, show up with that positive mindset that it's all going to work out. Exactly. So I'm curious, why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? Um, well, when you approached me about it, I definitely felt privileged because everybody that you do interview has already had it done. So since I've been accepted and since this journey started for me, obviously, yes, fundraising is should be the person's number one priority, even when accepted, because you still, if, you know, unless you're a fortunate citizen that has enough savings to stay in Chicago and be at home and out of work and blah, 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 then great. Right. There Um, are a lot of added expenses. Right. So uh, my passion through this whole thing has really been getting the word out there. Um, I have been on the news twice and they came to my home, did a full interview with me and Anna, Chelsea, Carrie, and Bonnie. Nice. And then um, I was in the newspaper here, like a local Medina Gazette newspaper, and some lady at Bill Doherty Kia of Medina, which is a huge dealership, like just walked over. Her name's Charlie. She walked into the owner's office, Shay, and he's she's like, we need to do something about this and starts rattling off a bunch of ideas. And he's like, I got a better idea. And they actually ended up auctioning a car. Wow. Um, and everything went to me. And then here the news was there. So it was, yeah, it's been. That's fantastic. Like, yeah. Like granted, it was awesome. Like, I mean, I got a $6,000 check handed to me. Like it was nuts. But I was more like, and then here the the person that bought it was another dealership. And then like his mom was diagnosed a year ago. Oh my gosh. She's a little older. Yeah. So it's just like, it's it's been a very meaningful journey for me that hence my whole Katie's hope journey to end her MS like it's been a journey and so to do the podcast and whoever will be listening to this that has you know doing their research and comes across the website or the blog or you know what I mean and here's this specific one it's just to know that should I or shouldn't I it's an email 
Do you know how many people have messaged me, right. Instagram, Facebook, emailed me saying they all have MS? I actually have a couple girls that I am helping send the email. And I didn't even get it done yet. So that's why it means something to me to do the podcast before. I think it's great that everybody's interviewed afterwards, 100%. Because it's, you know, they know what to say and what they went through and, you know, how the recovery is and stuff like that. And I do, I feel very privileged and blessed that you asked me to do it beforehand. And then if we do another one afterwards, like, absolutely, you know know what I mean? We want to know how you do. Exactly. (laughs) So that's the whole point of how you started it. So, right. Well, it's family, right? And it is family. It's great to be able to talk with someone that's hopeful to be receiving such a a life-changing experience and to be sharing your journey along the way offers so much hope and inspiration to so many out there. And it's just, it's great to talk with you and capture your story. So thanks for being a part of it and sharing with us. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm curious to know even other hopefuls, I'm sure if they are struggling with fundraising, if you have any specific strategies that have worked for you, just Um, kind of your overall approach to making it happen. Well, honestly, if they can, the, the HSCT page for Chicago is a great outlet for let alone ideas and just people that veterans and people that are currently fundraising. Yes. It saddens me and it's, Cause I was a cut, like a couple people that are like, I just don't like asking for money. I've been there. That's really, I didn't want to do it. Yeah, I didn't want to like, trust me. I get it. And if you like can find one person that can do something like even, you know, my GoFundMe page and stuff like that, like the letter that was written is portrayed by my sisters. Was it fully written by my sisters? No, (laughs) It was not. And and I can guarantee you that the most of the letters like you because I'm the one going through it. I'm the one that did the research. Naturally, I had to explain things to them and stuff. It was like a group effort. Oh, yeah. That but it was like it just it was a little bit of um, advice from I don't remember who make sure like the, the very first introduction, like it looks like it's from your sisters. And I'm like, okay. You know, it, it's just something. And I, so I have someone that is um, accepted and insurance is still denying it and they're fighting it and they're trying to fundraise and they keep telling me that they don't, and they're not in the same state as me, that they don't have anyone. And I'm like, you have yourself. And if you truly don't have anyone in your family, a sister, a brother, I know she's married, but anybody that you feel comfortable starting something for you do it yourself just do it and don't look back and it was really just a persistent thing I must have contacted every local news station here which is four if you go on your local news station's websites and just do your research via Facebook message them and it's not harassing like I'm not saying every day I'll no like a one-time thing, but make sure you hit them all up. And um, Bonnie, one of my HSCT sisters mm-hmm. that did the interview with me for Fox 8 here and has become a very dear friend of mine as well. So she um, had her local newspaper where she lives in Ohio do a thing about her. So she 
she told me about it, I was bold enough to be like, can you contact the Gazette for me? It's just one less thing that I have to do. And she did. Now, did she, I don't know how, if she emailed, if she called, but I got a call from a reporter and we talked for about, I don't know, a half hour on the phone. And the next day, my very large photo was on the front page in the newspaper. And that's when donations started just flooding in for a week straight. I was driving to work and it was across. I do not recommend putting your emails on notifications on when this happens. Oh, right. Especially right. when you're driving. Like I had someone that lives a couple cities away, never met him, story touched him, no MS in the family at all whatsoever. He donated $1,500. Like it, it, it was, and Amazing. it came across my phone as I was driving at like 7.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I need to turn my phone off. <laughs> like, <laughs> People want to help. They do. They definitely, definitely do. So, and then it's discouraging to me. I have a friend via Facebook that has been fundraising for two years. It's frustrating because we have spoken on, you know, Messenger and whatnot. I think she's not like throwing in the towel, um, but like just giving it a rest for because she's been trying to fundraise for two years. But she's also like a military family. Um, and I love her to death. I don't even know her, but I do. You know what I mean? You just right, you right. do at this point. Yeah. Well, you connect with people in right. a different kind of a way when you're in the HSCT right. world. Yeah, you really, really do. I was, you know, when Anna was telling me it's a family and I'm like, okay, yay. And no, it really is. Yeah. Now that you're in it. <laughs> yeah. And yep, you know, they, we have the weird uncles that we don't really like talking to and yeah, the and favorite cousins. We, and yep. We, we all come out of the woodwork and like, oh, another one's accepted. Let's go. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it is, it's a family. And I, if, like, and I wasn't, you know, Anna's very, um, we're very like we talk and we're excited we talk with our hands and we're loud and and it's just like that's when she's like no you don't understand it's like one big family like we're a family and I'm like well I know we're a family and she's like no you and I'm and at first I was kind of like well I don't really need that in my head you know what I mean like I have you right right but when it happened and especially like when I met some people while I was there and it's like you just it's in it's an insta family it really is I'm not joking. You know. Uh, yeah, I do. It's amazing, really. It is. It's good to know you. It's good to be in family with you. Agreed. So I'm curious about the actual real family that you have. Is there any cost to them as you embark on this journey? Yeah. <laughs> I have a very large family. Um, me and my husband, we have a son together, but all together, there are seven children. So they're all grown besides ours. Our Vinny is only 11. He'll be 12 in June. Um, that has probably been the most, like, I don't, not it, like difficult to the point of as much as I want my husband with me, I do not want our son without two parents for one day because Vinny's not a baby. He knows what I'm going to do. And just the fact that yesterday or the day before he was, or last week he was telling me, he said some lady's name at school. And I'm like, am I supposed to know who that is? Like I, he's got a couple, his main teacher and a couple teachers. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, is that the guidance counselor? So here, cause the whole school knows she just felt the need to 
pull Vinny into her office and, you know, just see how he was doing. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. So, but it hit me and I'm like, that's exactly why I don't, unless he comes with him for a weekend, like after the trance, you know what I mean? Like as I'm recovering or, you know, not mobilization, like as much as I want my husband there for mobilization, like I told him no. And I will have my mom and my sister and I, that's, it's hard. It it's definitely going to be hard for me to be away from my family for that long. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not about that. It's about the end game. It's the fact that I'm getting my life back. I'm going to be able to play basketball with my son. I'm going to be able to do things that I haven't been able to do because I've been deteriorating for nine years. So when people have doubts and cost, like even financially, because first of all, just get you some Jesus. If you don't, that's number one, because that's just my thing. (laughs) So, and the (laughs) fact that I have the faith to know that my house will be standing and I have a large family and God's always got my back and my family it's just, it's definitely worth the heartache of being away from your children or your husband or wife or significant other because you're getting your life back. And here's another thing. If there's ever, because I now know um, in the recent months, realized that I, I don't know if I didn't realize or I didn't just want to like listen to that part. Like sometimes it doesn't work. Right. And I now have seen people because I've seen some posts, so I guess I'm the one, you know, where it didn't work or whatever. I would do it again. And I would do this again, even if it didn't work, because I've personally been through a handful of medications and I'm done. And the fact that now JAMA has published. So right, the research findings. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is coming. It is. And this was going to rock the world of the drug industry for multiple sclerosis and hopefully (laughs) get it out of business. Those drugs are crap. What drugs have you tried? Um, Started on Copaxone. And then I went to, I don't remember what I went to. So Copaxone, Methotrexate, Jelenia, Tectophora, Ocrevus. I think I'm missing one. That's five. Yeah. Maybe six. Well, and so going back to just the hesitation or the heartbreak or how hard it will be to be away from your family for so long, it it feels like forever when you're there. And then when you get home, it is like a blink of an eye. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, wow, that really went by fast. And I'm already home again, like the day to day, each moment in each day seem like forever. And then suddenly you're home and it's almost like you don't feel ready to be home. You are ready to be home, but you're not ready to be released from constant supervision. And so there's that hesitation, but then you settle into being home and it's good to be home. And then you start making your way into your new way of being and it's all part of the journey and it, and it is heartbreaking, but at the same time, keeping your eye on the big picture that you're getting yep. your life back. That's, that's what to hold on to. So good, good for you for figuring that out well before even going in. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> it's not, Keep it's not easy, right? It's, it's no, all mm-hmm. of this is a tough, tough journey. And that, I mean, that's, we are warriors. Yes. hundred percent. 
You sound pretty prepared. What, I try to be. Yeah, well, and uh, I mean, it's great that you've made such close friends with Anna and she's prepared you and in many ways, it sounds like. So what about people that don't have an Anna? What could you offer yeah. as advice to anyone? <laughs> Get you one. <laughs> <laughs> Find an Anna. I've actually become an Anna to a couple. So it's definitely um, humbling. But again, like I said before, I believe like I have someone that I've just been giving advice and sometimes they're it just, I do, I'm not, I don't, it's not like I feel like they're not taking it or I'm, I don't believe them that they don't have anybody like she like, I know she has a sister, but I just feel like she's really at that point where the not embarrassed, but it is, but you feel embarrassed about fundraising. Like, I don't know anybody who likes to ask for money mm, when it comes no. to this, unless you're a con artist. I mean, then more power right, to you, right. <laughs> unfortunately. But um, honestly, it's, it's when, when you can't find an Anna that you just, you need to take the reins. This is your life. And it's something that you need to understand if you're knowledgeable enough about the disease, unfortunately, that you've been diagnosed with for MS, that it's not going to get any better. And like I said, I'm a year shy of a decade and I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that, that I've been living with this for almost just shy of nine years. What have you, what have been some of your worst symptoms? (laughs) Well, for two years, because I was that pissed off at medication from 14 to 15, I went on no meds. And the reason why I say from, because I had a full blown relapse in 14 in October and then they gave me all these brochures, picking medication. I read everything from top to bottom, left to right, front to back, and the side effects and everything. And I said, I can't do this. And I didn't take any meds again for another year, had a full bone relapse again in September of the following year, 15. And what one of those felt like was um, razor blades on every inch of my body on my left side and that you were pouring alcohol in it like cuts of razor blades on my severe pain yeah yeah oh yeah and when I was first diagnosed um I can honestly say that those relapses were were and that's because they ended up the lesions that I'm going into my neck I think I have about four of them in my neck now four to six or whatever so here and that happened again in the following one. Like it felt like razor blades, but my initial attack happened on my right side. I had symptoms all over my body, but I'm constantly numb on my right. And that never remitted. So the relapsing remitting, um, luckily the razor blade feeling went away, but I have patches of skin on my right side that are con- my bottom of my right foot's constantly numb. There's a patch by my elbow that's constantly numb. And when I'm hot or pissed or whatever, or humid outside, it intensifies. Um, Does it feel like there's super glue like oh my gosh, yeah. over your skin? And like, you just, yeah. like you can't, I kept trying to describe that to people and they'd be like, what it- I don't understand what you yeah like. no that kind of makes sense actually <laughs> like it it feels like it's yeah sometimes it does that and like then, there's um, layers between what you know you should be feeling but you yeah. can't feel it and yep yeah. I like to hear the like the 
the explanations sometimes of you know different people and and yeah that's i've in nine years i've never heard that and i've always tried to explain in my head i know what i'm saying and i like that the super glue it's it's, not just numbness it's like no it's not just numbness it's definitely like a super glue yeah it totally is oh well (laughs) when i used like when i used to shave my legs like Mm -hmm. it it was weird because i couldn't feel the razor on my leg even though i knew until you cut it really good yeah (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so um and then sometimes when i did cut it and the water didn't hit it yet i actually didn't feel it until all of a sudden there's like a oh, pool yeah, of blood yeah. in the bottom of this. I'm like, oh, damn, I cut myself and I didn't feel it yet. Well, if you're and lucky like me, that's yeah. one of those invisible symptoms that should go away. Good. That's, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm really hoping that it's just, um, you know, I'm going to be completely healed. Where I the one thing that I do, and I told my mom this, if you take your index finger and your thumb, if you do this with me while you're on the phone, rub your finger together. Like if you're getting something off your finger, if you're rubbing and yeah, rubbing yeah. like in a circular motion. So I'm doing that right now with my left hand. Now I'm doing it with my right. It feels, compl- it feels numb. It feels completely different. And the one thing that I have prayed about with HSCT is that the moment that I start being healed and cured in my mind and soul and body is I can finally do that with my right hand after nine years. And that's going to feel the same as my left. And the numbness will be gone. That's Just my fingers. Possible. That's all I want. It's very <laughs> Anywhere possible. Else, whatever. I know it is. It definitely is. And I'm definitely hopeful for that. So. But yeah, you just got to keep pushing forward. Like you said, if you don't have somebody, you you have to be your own advocate. I mean, you have a voice. Use it. I love that. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for using your voice and for advocating for others and, and partnering up to help inspire other hopefuls. I'm happy to. So what about a superpower that you've gained that maybe will help carry you through this, the rest of this journey? That I gained or will gain? Well, Maybe that you have discovered in yourself that you didn't know about before that will carry you through? Mm. Now you're asking the tough questions. Um. (laughs) Well, it's that whole like, you know, I never thought I'd be able to something, but all of a sudden now you have that something and it's what's keeping you motivated or keeping you strong or keeping you focused? Well, on... I mean, here's, here's the thing with me is, I mean, I'm a Christian and I have been for a very long time. So it's not something that I didn't, you know what I mean? Like know that I, or it, it's, it's something I've always had. So for me, it's just, you know, my strength and my walk with God has gotten significantly stronger Um, and I think that has a lot, I I know it has a lot to do with my confidence and wanting to advocate for people, you know, to just look into it or get the word out there. And you know what I mean? I mean, just the little news thing and the, and the papers I've probably have spoken to honestly 20 people. And to me, if it was one person, it was worth it. Sure. So Honestly, just my faith um, in God and and my walk with him has just 
it's just gotten really strong and it's just given me the confidence to do things that I, I wouldn't say wouldn't have done or never would have done. I just wouldn't have done it to that extreme. If that makes sense. It does. And I, okay. and I think that you'll soon find comfort with the idea of the vast cap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It will definitely be. If your that's, faith, if your faith is that strong, it will. It is. Uh, it, it no, it is. And I and that's where and I you know and I kind of I've been like I said I've been praying about it, like okay God you just can you just take the fear away just can we just not think about this right now just you know it'll be fine and that's it. It and will be just, fine. I know. <laughs> you just trust that these people do this every day, all day long. I know. I know. And they know what they're doing. Uh, yes, they do. Especially at Northwestern. I mean, they are just phenomenal. So is there anything that you're grateful for about your experience so far that has gone unspoken? Mm, not that has gone unspoken in the in our interview, no, because I'm just, I'm beyond grateful for Anna that we've been friends for eight years and she had the courage to get it done first, um, that she's opened me up to this family. I've met so many women and men. Um, we've made that a point in a couple of interviews that we've done. Cause you always see all these women. And I'm like, it's for men too. I promise they're out there. <laughs> um, but they're my brothers. So it's just, that's definitely, um, what I'm definitely grateful for. And again, if you feel or you really truly are alone in this with no actual help from your actual friends or family, this is your friends or family. Indeed. So you just need to reach out and, you know what I mean, get on the page, the podcast page, the HSCT Chicago page, the HSCT fundraising page and ask the questions. You know what I mean? Because that is what we're here for is to answer them. Absolutely supporting mm -hmm. each other all along this journey. Yes. So I'm just really excited for you and for next month to come. And now I can't wait <laughs> for I it to get wait. here already. That's what's funny when you said, like you, you said when you're there, you feel like it's forever. And then when you're discharged, like I remember, um, one of the girls, oh, her name just slipped my mind. She's from California. We became friends throughout the whole journey, her getting accepted um, and I honestly, when the, when you follow it on Facebook, I feel like they're there for a week and they're done. And I'm like, wait, you're going home. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you could see the excitement. And I, so I actually, I like that you said that because I never really, that hasn't been said to me before. Like you feel like when you're there and maybe it won't happen for me, but I get it. And I'm glad I heard it out loud. Like it feels forever. And when you go home at first, you're, you're excited to go home, but you don't want to go home because you're not being monitored every day. Right. But that day, like she was like, get me out of here. I'm so excited. But then all of a sudden, I'm sure the moment she walked out that door is what you said. Like, crap. Yes. It's like, I'm oh my gosh, home. I have to what, do what this by myself. What if I spike a fever? <laughs> what yeah. if I? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's. I get it. I mean, you're literally for the first few days, it feels like every 20 minutes and it's maybe every two to three hours that somebody's sure. in your room checking on you. But it is. Yeah constant and that becomes your routine. Like I, I sleep trained myself so that every morning in the middle of the night, I would wake up at two twenty-five, which mm -hmm. was just enough time to get up and go to the bathroom. 
and get back in bed, adjust my bed so I could sit up, open my box of Cheerios, make sure I had my water, get cut nice and comfy back under the covers. And then at 2.30, my nurse would walk in, hook me up to whatever IV. Yeah. <laughs> at, like my body just knew you want to eat something while you're while these antibiotics are pumping through your body and you're going to be awake anyway. So you might as well make yourself comfortable. And before you get comfortable, you might as well go to the bathroom. So like my body just trained itself. And then all of a sudden you don't have that constant monitoring. It's more towards the end, like the last two, three days. Now, when you, when you went home, like the first and second night, I'm sure your body woke up at that time, but I feel like I'm going to wake up and be like, crap, Absolutely. where am I? <laughs> Absolutely. Because you, I mean, you do, you train, your brain trains itself and your body trains itself. My brain trains itself in the three days that I'm admitted into a hospital for the IV steroids. And cause the nurse, you know, they take your blood pressure and your vitals every, um, well, here's the thing. The last time I was an inpatient for steroids was a few years ago and Medina actually didn't want to take me because at the time they got rid of their their neurological unit. So there wasn't a neurologist in the actual hospital. They wanted to transfer me all the way to Cleveland, which for me was a 55 minute ambulance ride. I'm like, no, No, thank you. I'm like, listen, it's 3000 milligrams of IV steroids. I've done this 15 times before. I promise you, I'm not going to die. Just hook it up. So they were doing my vitals. Honestly, it was every hour, every two hours. And I would just, they, you know, they're like, they come in like as quiet as possible. Right. Sorry. And I'm like, and I would just hold my arm out with my eyes closed. <laughs> Here you go. You know what I mean? And they started laughing after a while because they, I knew my body just woke up and my arm was already out before they clicked the light on. So I get it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. And then mm-hmm. you realize by the end of it, that you can finally get some sleep and some rest. And that's nice because you don't rest a lot for the first at least week plus. I'm sure. Do you have dogs or pets? I do have a dog. Yes. Okay. So when you got home, for first of all, what kind of dog do you have? She is a Catahoula healer and she loves to run. She's 30-ish pounds. and I Okay, just, so like a medium-sized dog. Yeah, I kept my distance from her just because. But I know people, and Dr. Bird has even said, like, if it's your pet, it's fine. As long as it's not a new pet. No, it's not a new pet. No. So I have boxers and they're both 80 pounds. And my first question is, did your dog know who you were when you got home? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was really worried about that. I know. I don't know if that sounds stupid. No, it doesn't. Like I'm gone for two weeks and then I'm home for a few days and then I'm going to be gone for like two and a half weeks again and three, almost three. And it's like, I genuinely was worried that, uh, but they listen to me. Like they know when I'm not like the days when my legs wouldn't move. Chong was over me in the bed, head Nose touching my nose, like, mom, are you okay? I'm like, yes, strong, I'm fine, but I'm going to need you to move. So I'm just like, I know like the day that I do come home, even after mobilization, and then when I finally come home, um, that I do need them to keep their distance because I don't want to be jumped on. And Chong will jump. Yeah. will probably just pee all over the floor because he's so excited. <laughs> yeah. You just don't want to fall uh, because your levels 
um, right. your platelet levels will still be low. And so the last thing you want to do is fall and cause internal bleeding. That's the big concern. So, okay. So they, make sure the dogs are put away and I'm actually sitting or laying down. Before yes. That would be okay. a good idea. Especially okay. when you first, I just wanted home. to make sure my dogs were going to know who I was. Oh, they'll <laughs> know who you are and they'll okay, know to, they'll know to keep their distance and to be cautious. Like you say the one will jump, but I bet, I bet well, it well know here's better. the thing when he know he knows when I'm not feeling well and he sits real pretty and I'm like all right and I go real nice and I pat my shoulders and he it's almost like he floats in midair and <laughs> I'm five six and he's very and he actually can put his paws over my shoulders yeah yeah but he does it so gentle like he comes up on his hind legs and goes okay I'm giving you a hug now and he comes up real, he's like he's like a big cuddly bear yeah I used to have a Roddy that was 85 pounds oh, and he did the same so thing cute. they will understand and they will know to be gentle and keep their distance okay do you have other questions for me um I think I'm good I think you're good too Okay. You're, you're, you seem very prepared and very, um, I actually see, this is the thing I feel like, and I actually wrote a bunch of stuff down. I mean, I am like stupid organized and prepared when it comes. And I'm not like that in my whole entire life. Well, I'm what, not that person. You know what I mean? That I'm organizing everything, but sure. when I know I need to be like, I have all this paperwork, like, okay. So when you do mobilization and then you're finally in that, in the hotel, then you wait a couple of days or whatever it is, and then you start taking your Nuprogen shots. I know to wake up, set my alarm for 6.30, take the shot out, because according to Anna, you don't want to shoot up with a cold, because that sucks. Correct. And take at your Claritin at that point. Yep. Take it out. Pop a Claritin, which I've already started building up in my system now. I take one every day now. Wait a half hour. Uh, take the shot, eat a yogurt, go back to bed. I'm like, and I can't go back to bed. She's like, oh, well, you might because of the chemo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's like the, like those things. And then the one, another thing I saw recently in the last couple of weeks about the bone pain um, from the nutrition shot was like heating pads. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, yeah. I took an electric blanket and I would sit Yeah, I'm going to get one of, of those. I'd sit in the yep. middle of it and wrap it around my body and just melt into it. And then that would wear off. And so then I'd take a walk and that honestly, it was the best thing to do. Uh, I don't know if you're staying, staying at the Hampton, Yep. but you, oh, yeah. the gym is on the top floor and it's very quiet and it has a phenomenal view. Like just sitting. my mom went up there when we were doing, um, about, uh, the evaluation she took a video because my husband's afraid of heights Great. okay so keep moving and electric yes, blanket yes okay. even if you just walk the hallway take the elevator down and walk you know around the lobby area where you can get the coffee and snacks now how bad stuff. was your bone pain it was pretty bad yeah okay um but the more i moved the better it felt and i don't move very well i just found copaiba oil and okay just two days ago started putting that no yesterday just started putting that on to help with spasticity and it's been phenomenal okay so that's awesome it's huge I, I wish I would have known about it sooner right um so anyway uh, walking was not the easiest for me to do despite the pain um but I forced myself to like go up to the gym and just sit on the bike for even 15 minutes and just get everything moving getting things flowing and circulating really helped. Okay. And then we'd go back down and I'd wrap myself back in the blanket again. So yeah, we kind of just watched a lot of documentaries and 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm already getting I'm I'm going to rewatch Grey's Anatomy for the 10th time or maybe 50th to be honest with you while I'm there. <laughs> that is my plan. Well, stick with what you know and what makes you happy, right? Yeah, exactly. That's an that's an important thing too. You got to ease your psyche and just pamper yourself and treat yourself well. I'm glad to know about the tip about walking. Oh my gosh, it was just it was the only thing really that helped. I didn't take any of the, whatever the major drug is that they give you that's highly addictive. I just... Oh, I, I'm not taking no pain meds. No, I stuck with Tylenol and electric blanket. It was phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal, right. really. They do, they do give the option to prescribe you a pain medication. Yeah, and I think they even give you a few and they give you a prescription to fill later. Um, I well, because you it. have to take, yeah, cause you take, um, let alone you take what the Neuprogen shots for five days and then you get the, um, well, you get more at the hospital when you're inpatient. Yes. And at that time, the bone pain was not nearly as bad, maybe because my body already had it. Had it. Yeah. Um, and because of the steroids, you're all jacked up on steroids. Yay. Um, so like <laughs> when I was inpatient, the Neupogen didn't cause as nearly as much pain. So I think it's just that first time and your body's really trying to do the good work of producing the stem cells. And so that's where I just kept trying to be grateful for. I can't remember if Anna took the pain meds or not. I can't or what the name of it was. A lot of people do, and you know, it is what it is. And I just, I have a really high tolerance for pain. So do I. Um, I don't like be being in pain. No, nobody does. <laughs> but you'll but be I'm fine. also not, I don't have the, um, I don't have that addictive um, trait, I should say. Number one, I don't like feeling high. No. I freaking hate it. It freaks me out. So, <laughs> Okay, so heating blanket. Because I was about to buy a couple heating pads, and I'm like, no, nope, I think I'm going to do the heating blanket. So I'll yeah, do the heating just, blanket and yeah, walk. electric blanket and walk or get up there and ride the bike. Because not all, like, when you get up to that gym level, if you don't like heights or... Oh, I'm fine with heights. Okay. I think it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you'll enjoy the gym up there. Mm-hmm. So... It'll all come together. It will. I have faith. All good. And it'll carry you through. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being a part of this family. It's just great that you're inspiring others along the way and you're not even to Chicago yet. No, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to blink and it's going to be here tomorrow. It will. Oh. It'll come before you know it and you'll be oh. there before you know it. And we'll all be here supporting you and cheering you on Yay. Um, and ready to talk again someday when you're home. Oh, I can't wait. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.